Good morning, everyone. This is Jeff from the CyberPro Podcast. We are back today with a founder and CEO of his own company. Good morning, Philippe. In a few sentences, could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, absolutely. I'm Philippe, CEO and co-founder of CrowdSec. And uh, what I'm doing basically day in, day out is CEO stuff, you know, so watching that everyone has everything they need to produce, whatever they're supposed to produce. So I'm in charge of vision, where we had the company, how the product is supposed to evolve. I'm in charge of means so that everyone has enough uh, to work with. And I'm in charge also a bit of sales because, you know, you, you always have to be a bit on the sales side if you are a CEO. <laughs> and my background is about like I'm an IT engineer by uh, training and more precisely a pen tester. I've been doing this for, I don't know, 10 years, something like this. A lot of fun, a lot, lot of fun. And uh, after I became CTO of my company and uh, sold this company some, some years ago, and decided I couldn't stay like this and I couldn't be either an employee. I'm really not good at that. So I created a new company that is a software editor. So tell us a little bit more about CrowdSec. How long has it been around? What does it do? And where do you see your path heading towards in the new year? Sure. Well, uh, thank you for being the first uh, of 2022 already. Um, well, the company was in incorporated like two years ago, roughly. Um, and where we're heading is we want to be the ways of cybersecurity, right? We want to provide an umbrella for everyone to protect everyone. And what we do is basically we are getting those uh, signals like I provide you a free software, you protect yourself with this software, and every time you fold an attack, every time the software is blocking an attack, it's sharing the IP behind the attack, right? With the whole network of users. So you could see it like a ways of cybersecurity, a ways of firewall, something like this. It's a collaborative uh, IPS, as we name it. And um, where we see ourselves heading is like, we had this big log4j thing, like everyone had to skip some few weekends lately, uh, and we released this scenario and everybody started to use it, including people at the DOD and, and elsewhere on Earth. And we saw immediately something like 3000 IPs that were really on the top of, uh, you know, the aggression level. We blocked them, we distributed them, people were happy and protected themselves. And then they realized, wow, yeah, there's power in collaboration. You know, when you deal with a complex problem, you need collaboration. Absolutely. That folds into the next question quite well. What, as a CEO of your own company, as a founder, uh, as somebody who really has the vision and the ability to steer his own ship, what do you find the most fascinating aspect about being in that seat during these very interesting cybersecurity times? Yeah, that, that are challenging times, but at the same time, what we saw over the last 20 years and most likely around the last two years is that, you know, cybersecurity came from being like uh, the top priority after all the others to being the top priority period. <laughs> and that's really a transformation in our field. Before that, like really, I used to talk in the wind and nobody was really listening. And, you know, they were doing this with the leftover of budgets whenever they had time. They were not really reading the reports or, you know, implementing whatever. Nowadays, they have liability, seriously. I mean, money-wise, in terms of data, uh, in terms of, you know, they can be sued as a CE something in their companies. So it started to ring a bell. And on top of that, it's very, very destructive. We are in a gray 
uh, a gray war, you know, a gray zone war. So the fascinating thing is if you have a very extremely powerful weapon, say a nuke, right, you never use it. It's too powerful, it's too destructive. So it will kill people, destroy infrastructure and stuff. So yes, you're extremely powerful, but on the other end, your hands are tied and you cannot use it. But cyber criminality is a whole different game. I mean, states are spying on each other for free. There's no destruction here, no direct destruction. You know, no one dies. So uh, it's a place where there's a real conflict taking place with real armies behind, whether they are mafias, uh, whether they are state-operated uh, groups and all. So we are in a full-fledged war, except it's the gray zone war. So it doesn't wear its name, but it's the same thing in the end. So I find it fascinating that we are able to partake into this war and to be on the good side on top of that. Yeah, I, it, very compelling statements. Being transparent, I, I feel like the only thing I would disagree with your last statement is there is casualty. There is casualty in, in, in not only property and reputation, but also lives. You, you look at some of the cybersecurity attacks and uh, the collateral damage that happens affects people very negatively uh, in many ways. So that being the case, and I think we might agree that those rates of casualties will only get larger. Where do you see CrowdSec heading in the new year? What type of products are being most requested by your clients? Uh, and where do you think your core competencies are going to focus in the new year and beyond? Yeah, well, well, first of all, we have to address all the kind of machines we can because, you know, this global shelter, this global protection, it needs to be available for every kind of devices. So for now, we are running mostly on Linux environments and BSD environments, but tomorrow we'll be running on Windows as well, right? So that everybody can benefit from it and we get signal from all those machines around the world. Mm. So my main focus is about adoption because we are after a network effect. So the biggest the network is, the best the signals that are, are coming and the fastest also. So if a new threat is detected somewhere in the world and the network is like around 100,000 machine like now, it's great. We see it like very fast. That's that's fantastic. But just imagine that with a million device or 10 million devices, nothing will be able to move over the Internet without us knowing and without us being able to prevent it from, from being a full fledged disaster. Um, so we are looking into VOIP as well, because there's a lot of stuff happening on VOIP. I had no clue, but we released some scenarios for VOIP and we saw so many signals coming back, right? Very interesting. A lot on e-commerce because we have to make a bit of monetization, you know, and, and earn our life. And it's a really good ground to start with. And um, we would like to release those uh, block lists we have for BGP routers, right? So that if another log4g is in the making, not only we can prevent that, but we can prevent it at the world scale instantly by blocking them at the border routers. And that would be so much more efficient. So a lot of stuff on my plate. Uh, very happy to be part of this crazy coming new year. And yeah, there is hope on the good guy side. <laughs> so I'm going to do one last follow up on that. Let's talk about the, the commercial side of this, right? You, you mentioned that the e-commerce side is, is where you're going to pay your bills. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your application on the commercial side. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, you get this free software made by professional DevSecOps, people that know their trade, and we cannot possibly not pay them, like, obviously. 
So, um, and we need to, to satisfy our investors. So how does it work? Well, if you partake into the network, you use the software and you share the signals, then you, you're giving us values, right? In, in return for the software. So it's a fair trade and we stay, you pay zero. But if you want to, part, if you want to benefit from the signals, right? From the whole CTI we are vesting without sharing, then you have to pay, which makes it a very, you know, uh, fair model, I'd say, because everyone reinforcing us is benefiting it for free, benefiting for free, and everyone willing to, to use the signals can just pay to get them. So it's pretty fair. Democratization. Very, very well put. Uh, and our last question is a fun question. Share with us, would you please, a little piece of retro technology that brings you joy. A lot of it. I mean, my trade is definitely pinballs. Uh, I love pinballs. I have three of them at home. I fix them. I fine tune them. And, you know, it's retro uh, electronics. So it's super easy to maintain, actually, somehow. Uh, you don't have to solder very tiny components, actually. By then, the components were huge. And uh, it's a lot of physics involved. Like, will the ball roll properly along the curve or not? And uh, is the playability just as it should be? And uh, lately, I got my, my the pinnacle of what I wanted to have is a medieval madness pinball, which is uh, something from my youth, and I, I'm really happy about it. <laughs> Brilliant. Good to hear. Well, this has been a fantastic podcast, Philippe. I wanted to thank you for your time. And for those of you uh, who don't know, we post two or three episodes a week here on the CyberPro podcast. It's not in frame, but you get it. Thank you for your time, Philippe. Happy New Year. Bye. Happy New Year. You made it to the end. Thanks for watching the CyberPro podcast today. You can find more content here and here and there.